notes. I didn't bring any notes. Don't worry, you're in good company. I told my notes to get out. Nice. Oh my God. That's recorded, that so that's going to be the top of the episode. I hope you know that. <laughs> don't worry, that's coming back. Don't yeah, worry. it is. Good. <clears throat> All right, ready? Yeah. You are listening to Loud on the Set with Kyle and James. A level-headed movie critic meets a loudmouth movie cynic. And Action! All right, welcome back to the show. My name is Kyle. This is James. And today, James, what are we doing? Get out. Get out of town. <laughs> Get out of the studio. Get out of my dreams. <laughs> oh my God, who is that, Kyle? We got guests joining us for Get Out today. We have Aaron, which you've met before. Hello, Aaron. Hello, how's it Kyle, going? Kyle, good, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. I'm better the show. And also, somebody instrumental in getting this podcast to happen, Allie is joining us. Hi, Allie everybody. with the solid recommendation. Hey, I mean, you guys brought it here. We brought it into the room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no... Uh... Thank you for telling us to see this, because it was on my radar. James was a little skeptical. He'll talk about that in a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but with your, your push, your friendly nudge out of the nest... <laughs> Uh, this all went down. You might know Allie from our other episode where she called in and said the funniest thing that's ever been said on the podcast. <laughs> oh. All uh, right. We're getting Sarah Marshall. Good times. Great oldies. But let's um, give her, let's give her let's give her a segment though. Allie, why should we listen to you? Why Who should you? we? We got you on the phone one time, but that doesn't really count. Now you're in the studio. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about Allie and why we should listen to you. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, you can if you want to. You can mute me if, you know, if I'm not making a convincing argument. And to be honest, I don't watch movies that often. I'm more of a long-format TV show kind of girl. Um, me yeah. too. Yeah. Now, I suppose. You're that kind of girl? A long, yeah, mm-hmm. TV show kind of girl. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. So you've seen a lot of things. You're good at analyzing things. We've talked about stuff before. Yeah, I, I like to mediums. voice my opinion. Yeah, it's welcome. <laughs> it's welcome. Right. Welcome, welcome. In a room where we're recording things. So thank you both for joining us. Let's chat. Get out because this is a movie. Obviously, everybody's going crazy about right now. And from uh, this moment on, you can probably expect lots of parts of it to be spoiled for you. So if you haven't seen it, it comes with a glowing recommendation from everybody and their cousins to go and see it. So definitely go and see it. And then you can pause and then come back and join us for the conversation. All right, that's good. Just stop right there. Great. Welcome back. Welcome back. All right. So now you've seen Get Out, so let's get rolling. Uh, I didn't know what to expect when I went and saw this because this was the first movie where I didn't see any trailers before I watched the movie. Mm. I've never done that with any other movie How that I can remember. I have no idea. Because I had seen a couple of reviews, just like numbers and grades and things. And I was like, oh, well, good thing I wanted to see it anyway. And uh, saw no trailers for the first time. And that was great. I liked not knowing anything going into it. And then uh, what a wonderful film came out of it. Very pleased. Excellent. Allie, you, mm-hmm. again, instigated this uh, situation. How did you go and see the movie? What, what drew you to it? Mm, generally not a fan of horror movies, um, mm. but slightly contradictory statement. 
three of my favorite movies ever are Blair Witch Project, <laughs> um, Babadook, and It Follows, which I feel like is a pretty specific subset of horror. But at first when I saw the Get Out trailer, I was like, nope, people are going to get murdered. There's a lot of jump scares. I'm not into it. But then, for somehow, I didn't know that it was Jordan Peele. I was mm. like, if he's directing a movie, like I should definitely see it. Um, and my boyfriend's really into scary movies, so he's like, please go. So I did. Are you a fan of the Key and Peel show? Honestly, I didn't really watch it a lot growing up, but um, Fargo season one has oh. Key and Peel in it, and they were amazing. That was amazing. And just generally, like, their comedy stuff is pretty solid. Right on. Excellent. Excellent. James? I saw this movie because of Allie. And, yeah, <laughs> because of Allie. I had seen the previews, and I thought to myself, uh, to quote Kyle from a previous of blah pass because um, I saw the previews. The preview was hooked and or linked to the movie Split, and so uh, you go. Oof. Yeah, see, you go into any M Night Shyamalan movie already very skeptical, and then any any movie that's attached to it, its trailer, you're like, that's gonna be garbage, right? Yeah. Um, There's a taint that just moves throughout the entire theater. Exactly, yes. and so it was lumped together with a ton of really horrible-looking horror movie trailers, and I just chalked it up as another one of those. But then some respect, respectable, trustworthy people, Ali, <laughs> told me to go see it. All right, I really think it looks garbage, though. No, 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 trust me, trust me. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you. All right, trust me, good, trust. <laughs> trust is life. Take trust is. <laughs> Which, funnily enough, was a theme of the movie. Mm. Okay. We're step it up. Mm. Right. Why don't you take it from here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, How did you get into the theater? Veteran of the show here, Aaron. Uh, so mostly by accident, actually. I went to see another movie at a very small theater. I was the only one there. Uh, <laughs> ten minutes in, it shut off. And they went, whoops, sorry, didn't know you were here. Uh, why don't you get out of this theater oh. and go see Get Out? And I said, okay. Still good the second time. Uh, yeah, uh, you got more coming. So, uh, yeah, I sat down and watched it. Didn't know what to expect. I had seen the trailer when it very first came out, but somehow forgotten everything about it. So none of the things the trailer spoils actually were spoiled for me, and I was pleasantly surprised. Well, that's good, because trailers usually ruin everything nowadays. Mm -hmm. So, especially when you're working with a tight thriller like this, it's good to not have things spoiled. Absolutely. I'll, I remember the couple of bits from the very beginning, which was great because I missed those bits when I actually saw the movie. <laughs> so I had a, it was a game where I had to piece together the things that I hadn't quite seen yet, but I was able to figure most of it out, and the trailer helped a little bit. Mm, okay. Excellent. Well, overall impressions? What did you think when you came out of the theater, Allie? You obviously recommended it, so yeah. you hated it, right? Uh, terrible. <laughs> no, this is like... So I probably on the scale of like Kyle to James and more like on the James side of being a movie critic. Yes! Um, slightly, ever so slightly. All right, um, so I usually go in thinking like this is going to be dumb and I'm going to hate it. You um, can use garbage. You yeah, I almost did, but I was like, no, it's too far. Too James. Oh. It's garbage. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey, I can say it. You yeah. can. <laughs> um, but like, there was such a great energy in the theater. I don't know if you guys had this when you saw it too, but there was so much like cheering and just general emotions throughout the movie that when it ended, everyone was like, yes! Aaron, did you do that yeah. being alone in the theater? <laughs> so, after I got out of seeing Logan, uh, there were three other people in the theater with me. Did you guys hug? We did no interaction whatsoever. Oh. They just softly scooted out at the end. Oh. 
All right, exactly. Interesting. Sorry, Ali, I interrupted you. Keep going. No, no, that's fine. I would love to hear if that if it was like that for you guys too, because I heard um, an interview with Jordan Peele on the radio, and one of his goals was for it to be a movie that brings people together. And like the screenings that he's been to, he's like been so glad to see people like you know visibly reacting to it and you know coming together as an audience. And yeah, I left with a, like a really good feeling. I mean, you know, terrible things happen in the movie, mm-hmm. but you're all like, oh, these things are real and are happening and we can see them and agree on this and also that ending was great. I think generally yeah. you said that you don't like horror movies too much. I mm-hmm. do like to see horror movies, but mm-hmm. I like that going experience because it's a very, very different kind of response that you get from a crowd. And everyone's sort of like gasping or cheering at the same time. And a lot of that joy that comes from seeing horror movies is that like group thing together, of mm. being there in that one moment, that experience. Totally. Seeing it at home by yourself, it's okay, but it doesn't have that same sort of impact. Uh-huh. And it was interesting, the movie you listed, uh, movies you listed as your favorites, Blair Witch Project, It Follows, and Babadook, because James and I have mm-hmm. reviewed one and a half of those and have had the Babadook on our uh, list to review for a while. All interesting horror films that I think are all really responsible for kind of twisting the perception of what horror is now in a lot of ways. And I think this exactly does that too in a more kind of social horror-esque kind of nightmare, um, which which was really good. But it used a lot of tropes that you find in other movies, so it was relatable to audience. It was audiences that were expecting certain things with their viewing experience, like somebody... Uh, beating up and killing a whole bunch of people to escape from somewhere. Should we just talk about the movie? Right? We should. Well, before we get that, I just want to second what Ali said out of theater. Kyle, we saw this together. We did. We double dated. Yeah, in fact, we double dated and the, uh, the honey baby's coming into the studio a bit uh-huh. later. So I'm going to save some of my material for her time in the studio, if you don't mind. But I just wanted to second what Ali said. Our theater was energized. Was yeah, they were, yeah, everybody's very satisfied. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Good what a theater. Out. Reclining chairs. Oh, what the hell's going on with that shit? <laughs> oh my god! I think we already talked about this on the pod. Well, maybe we, you know, maybe we banked this episode already. But yeah, and then you go outside and people are sleeping on the street. Mm-hmm. Here I am in a fucking leather sofa watching it. Five. I can't. All right. Keep Bam. going. Bow. <laughs> Downer. Wait, is is social commentary going to be coming part of this? conversation? I don't know. Mm. Well, so your theater obviously was pretty dead for while well, you saw it, right? I did see it at two in the afternoon, so ah. it's kind of predictable. <laughs> did it change your experience of it? I'm sure it changed the experience. I can't speak to how it changed it because I didn't experience it with other people. Did you still have a very strong reaction to things that were going on throughout the film? Yeah, it was a very Good. internal reaction. Good. But it yeah. was strong. Excellent. Alright, let's break it down. Let's break it down. Because... For a first-time director of a big-budget film, a complicated big-budget film, not just one of these bullshit scenarios now where apparently any comedian can just make a show or a film and then put themselves in it and play a dramatized version of themselves and be really lame for a while, which is really bothering me if you can't tell. But Hmm. a first-time director... I don't understand. What are you talking about? Oh, you haven't seen... You you don't watch TV as much, but there is absolutely a trend right now where comedians are taking themselves, are dramatizing their life ever so slightly and making it a whole series or a film or anything. Just... Like Louis C.K.? Exactly. All right, but he's good. Yeah. 
He is I, I still don't watch it, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep going. I'm sorry. You, you were losing me big my, time right My there. point is that it was kind of lazy, and there's definitely a lot of lazy ways to put together a movie, and wow, this was in no way lazy. It was the exact opposite of anything you would see with that. Um, phenomenal direction and cinematography across the board, and I know that they have some practice writing in a lot of different channels and satirical uh, writing, but what a script. I loved it. Every second of it. What did you think? What were your favorite parts of it? What spoke to you the My most? favorite parts. Um, it just it was such a good blend of like three genres, right? Because there were parts that were like audibly hilarious uh-huh. and in like a satirical way, which I feel like is where his strong suit of comedy is. Not that I'm like a comedy critic, but um, you are today. Of today, yeah. No one knows who I am. Yeah, totally a comedy <laughs> critic. Um, but yeah, it was actually, like, scary, too. But the whole time, it's basically, like, a rubric for how to talk about, like, you know, racism, modern racism, where people think that it doesn't exist, but it does, and here's all the ways that we can see it. Uh-huh. And also we're laughing, and also we're terrified. Yeah. there was. A, I'm going to piggyback on that for a second, because there was a lot of good subtext going on the whole time. But no more did it uh, speak to me than the point where um, our, our uh, oh my god, I can't remember anybody's name from this movie. Chris? I got Rose? The girlfriend. Who's Rose. The girlfriend? Rose. Rose was uh, sitting on her bed, eating her <laughs> Fruit Loops. One by one. One by one, drinking her milk and looking at the, uh, the basketball, college basketball <laughs> recruits. They were going to get, uh, you know, poached by the NBA or whatever. Hold on, we got to go deeper into that scene, because that was a really good scene that had did so little, but explained so much about who she was. It did everything. the entire time you're going through the movie, she just seems like, you know, this cool, like, interesting, like, they're always having this good banter back and forth, she's a great girlfriend, and there's that moment where she switches, uh-huh. and you don't see too much about her because so much is happening in that moment where he gets put back into the trance. But when you see her on the bed, she has a totally different look about her. Her hair's in a different way. She looks like a different person, and she's so meticulously drinking the milk through a straw and eating these Cheerios one by one. You go, oh, she's an extreme sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, has she been hypnotized by her mother, maybe? I was kind of, like, waiting for that twist the whole time. Or, I guess, not the twist, but before they reveal, like, the, the box of pictures with all the... Previous, um, I too was curious that about was, that. The yeah, old the nature cool versus nurture scenario. Yeah. Well, it was that question of like, how deeply does this go? And it it acted as a mystery as it was happening because you knew things were weird. You didn't know what was going on. Then you had the unveil of like, oh, it has something to do with the hypnotism. And then you're like, okay, he sees the pictures of her with the other guys. And you go, oh, is she hypnotized too? Is she under their control or is she in on it? And then that moment where everyone just kind of lets it out, you go, oh. <laughs> I can't give you the keys, babe. <laughs> you know, I can't let you do that. Whatever the line was. Mm-hmm. See, I, unlike you guys, I held out no hope that she might have been hypnotized. Uh, I didn't think she was either. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that the filmmakers arranged the events to look like it, it could be. She could be an, an unwilling victim of their hypnosis as well. But because people had told me to go see this movie and they had stressed it so much, I kind of knew that it couldn't be... It had to be more than... Um, that simple tale of like the couple is good and everybody around them is bad mm-hmm. and I thought nefariousness from the beginning when I saw her which is part of the reason why we'll talk about this more later I wish I hadn't been talked to about this movie at all I've seen any previews because the minute I see a preview that looks totally shallow and stupid attached to an M. Night film but then really intelligent people tell me no 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 trust me 
go see it, I know, okay, she's probably a nasty fucking piece of shit, you know? Because it has to be something more interesting than the classic, like, couple, you know? Mm -hmm. So, well, I mean, that kind of got ruined for me. That is a more interesting story because it's her family, then it's a way different dynamic. Yeah, but like, you know, oh, we're being attacked by hillbillies in the woods. But almost immediately, you know, the family's bad too. That that was given away real quick. We'll talk. I, yeah. The main the main thing for me that was selling it was the fact that everybody kind of needed activated when they were like hypnotized. You know, if they wanted to like get past a certain point, and it was clear that throughout all the events that were occurring, she was never like activated to do any of the things that she was doing. That was she was it was just innate. And whether it was at one point a mere suggestion to try and push that agenda of the family, I don't think that they needed that. And I think that they showed that the family history was so strongly into their own, you know, white caucus convention at the old farmstead or wherever the fuck they were, <laughs> that they had been indoctrinated at a much higher level that, you know, even routine hypnotism wasn't necessary with the power of suggestion, community, and uh, and family pulling through on that. So that, that was when I kind of got sold on the old nurture the racism <laughs> theme that was going on. So that was good. Excellent. Allie, what else you got? I see you got notes. Uh, I have notes just because I had no idea what to expect here. Um, but I would love to <laughs> talk to another woman about what the take on Rose is. Because I feel like she is a very um, straightforward commentary on like uh, feminism and intersectionality with racism. Yeah, well, okay, so th- throughout the setup, before you realize that anything funky is going on, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, really... Um, straightforward attempts to make Rose seem like she is really aware of racism. She's actively trying to combat it. Um, she's like a really great girlfriend to him. Um, and I think it's really interesting to think about how she turns out to be like the villain. And there's just a lot that I haven't fleshed out or talked about because like I talked to my boyfriend and he doesn't really <laughs> get it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Just would like some more women perspective on this, how a lot of... Um, no, I'm going to pass this off to anybody that wants to... It's like a... I, I kind of see it as the microaggression type of thing where a lot of people maybe even overtly know to behave in a certain way in a situation, and then you just start to see all of the, you know, tiny and... or maybe not so tiny, um, or just those innate learned behaviors that are so aggressively offensive and innately racist against... Uh, against people and sexism as well which uh, was displayed a, a few times in it so you got a good a good picture of people saying things that kind of talk the talk and then you don't get the the walking of the walk and that's kind of I think what a lot of the subtext of the film was chatting about uh, what'd you think Aaron it was sort of exposing this differing cultures that were clashing together because it's that you know common thing where these people have no idea what they're saying is offensive or weird, but they're mm-hmm. not treating, they're treating him so differently and they don't even recognize it. And just that look of befuddlement on him and his girlfriend's face, just how could you say something like that? How do I respond to that? That was, uh, you know, an interesting thing. And that's sort of like, the thing that I like about the movie is that it does that cultural commentary, but it didn't beat you over the head with the idea. It's like, here it is, here's a different perspective than maybe uh, you're used to seeing because how often do you have uh, a movie like this that sort of exposes those things going on? Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. 
Now, when we <laughs> when we were watching it, uh, James, I was thinking a lot towards the beginning about the, uh, racism and how she was bringing this guy into this household, and he was worried about it, and she was like, "Oh, don't worry about it." And then it seemed like they got to a point where they started really pushing the plot forward, and I don't think overtly after a certain point they started addressing things straight up like saying, oh, this is racist or this is a bad way to behave or things. And it showed the attention to detail throughout the script where it was the things that were happening that were explaining and showing a lot of that. So, for instance, I mean, there's billions of Easter eggs and things that are hidden throughout the the film. But even the scene that we were talking about before looked at a lot of different analysis and people are commenting about the the white milk being separated from <laughs> the colored Fruit Loops, yep. you know, and the unmixing and separating, but equal, she likes the Fruit Loops, but she's drinking the milk and trying to make statements about all sorts of things that were like buried deep within just the set pieces and the plot that was moving along. And I love that. Every second, the fact that the the grandpa character is still running around outside because he's sore that he got beat by a black person in the Olympics, like mm-hmm. to this day, is still like trying to prove that it was like better than some other guy of a different race and everything. I loved all those little things all throughout, and some of them I picked up on, and a lot of them I didn't. But it it's cool to look back at the thing as like a cohesive, you know. Uh, structured analysis of that all throughout. That was one of the big questions I had when I left the movie is those other characters were acting so bizarrely. What Was that a combination of just like their brain and the brain that's still there in the person but not quite like clashing? Or is that part of because they're so much older and from a different generation that they just don't interact with people in a way that you would expect? Just the, the two characters. Little column A, yeah. <laughs> little yeah. column B. They were so strange, and I couldn't... That was what was cool about the movie, is they were unnerving every time they had a scene with them, because they just acted in such a bizarre way, and you didn't know, like, what was causing their bizarreness. Uh-huh. I don't know if that actually got answered or not, but it was good. I'll talk, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. Cool. I'm saving that one. I'm putting that one in my pocket. <laughs> um, but I want to get back to what Kyle just said, and that is the little Easter eggs all over the place. And uh, congratulations to Jordan Peele because it shows the care and focus, <laughs> right? No, to, to have the care and the focus to go back and give characters certain names like Rose. Well, a rose is beautiful, but it has thorns, right? Oh. Um, there, there, uh, there are so many little Easter eggs. Oh. Exactly. Right? Um, the, the choice of Jesse Owens, like Kyle was just saying, like th- that's intentional. Like This isn't just a sloppily thrown together script or screenplay. There are intentional symbols peppered throughout the movie, lines of dialogue. I'll give away one Easter egg from, from the myriad Easter eggs that, that the honey baby can discuss. And that's early on when you first meet the dad. The dad's talking about the deer because mm-hmm. he just got done smacking one on the highway, right? And he goes, you know, one dead deer on the highway, you know what I call that? A good start. Well, here's a little bit of history for you, youngins. Um, a ton of racist jokes end with that punchline. Like, yeah. you know, imagine replacing the word deer with black people. Yeah. A ton, I've heard them all throughout my life. A ton of racist jokes end with that punchline. So, and lawyer jokes. Do they really, yeah? What do you call 100 lawyers at the bottom of the sea? 
A good start. A good start. Yeah, see, yeah. so when you hear, that's... That's, that's where like, I had heard it originally. I had heard it relative to ethnic um, groups. Yeah. It's really disgusting and whatnot. But when he said that, I was like, God damn. Mm-hmm. The, the, like Jordan Peele sculpted the words of the characters and he sculpted the scenes to be in such a way that showed so much care and focus <laughs> that I was blown away. And, and, and if you're paying attention... Um, great, or if they're they're subtly dropped in there and you notice them, it's wow, whoa! This movie is more than it's more than meets the eye, and it's very pleasing and satisfying. But it shows that you got a real talented director. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does. What the my main uh, praise for this movie comes in the fact that I knew going into it just from reading, you know, a one liner about it that it was going to be a movie that talked about, you know. Uh, cultural divide and was a horror film and I was like okay whatever I don't need to know anything else and what was so surprising about it to me was that the film by itself in terms of the plot and the beats of the movie plays out like a really well crafted thriller film for Mm -hmm. the, the whole thing and then to know that you can go back and just dissect this entire like majority aspect of the film and the lines that people are saying and the scenarios that are present, you have a, a whole different animal underneath that's that's there to analyze. And that was so impressive, especially, again, from somebody directing a film for the first time to not drop any of the balls that were being juggled throughout because it would have taken a lot of talented people, a lot of work to put that together, and they sure did, and it was great. I got the feeling when I was watching it and knowing that this was his directorial debut, that he had this idea in his pocket for a really long time, and he was able to Mm -hmm. craft it and carefully work out ideas in his head and and work on the script. Uh, It's not a rush job, right? You you get the feeling that this was a really great idea that he's had for such a long time, and he's just maybe looking for a way to finance it or wherever it was, you know? Or become a big enough name where he could convince a production company to run it. That's the sense I got, right? Mm-hmm. He'd been sitting on gold for a long time. Yeah. It's just yeah. absurd to see, you know, someone who is a great comedian but hasn't really, as far as I know, gone out into a whole lot of other avenues. Do you guys know more about his background? Mm-hmm. I don't really, besides the, the comedy. All right, so we're going to assume for the turns. sake of this conversation, this is the first time he's done something like this right. before. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Same Yeah. The fact that it was just so smooth, like, there was never a part in the movie where I was like, uh, oh, that was not good. And that's what I expect from someone who's got their first try at it. Like, uh-huh. Maybe they do some really good things. Something takes you out of the experience. And then you point. go, oh, that's a really amateur thing. Going right. Like you throw in some joke for a joke's sake and you're like, well, why was that there? Why did you need that? Was there anything that took you out of the experience while you were watching it? No. I can't think of one thing. And I, yeah, I really can't think of anything I would criticize about this movie. And yeah, normally I would love to find something. It's <laughs> not happening. Especially on the opposite side of that, what I was really impressed by is that uh, he has that comedy background, and the comedy comes out almost as the filler between important things. Like, that's sort of his, uh, I would say, backdrop. Like, you have all this intense things going on, this sort of mystery, this thriller, this suspense and horror, and then when there's a moment, you've got the horror beats, and you have that lull in between, that's when an average horror movie just puts in like the garbage scenes that no one cares about. It's like, oh, they're in the woods, mm-hmm. and whatever. <laughs> Instead, you bring in the friend who has a really good comedy scene, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's totally outside of what a horror movie normally does, uh-huh. and it really doesn't fit, but it does because it's done so well. Yeah. It works. It hits yeah. those classic cliches, but also it's functioning on that completely 
complete other level where since you have that layer of, uh, I guess, analogy all throughout the movie, you can reference it and be part of the cohesiveness of it without, you know, sacrificing like a throwaway scene or something. What did your boyfriend think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, creepy guy. Him. <laughs> Kyle. Um, yeah, he really liked it, too. Well, he was the one that, you know, he wanted to see it, right? He likes to see every movie. Um, oh, okay. He's one of those. Connoisseur. Um, oh, yeah. One of those people. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you get along. That's kind of me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like we had a lot of the same opinions on it that we both came away feeling like it was a learning experience to, like, see what it's like, this kind of, like, microaggressions that black uh-huh. people experience all the time that we can try to be aware of. But it's a really hard thing for us to get over as a society. Um, and, yeah, like, that ending was so triumphant. You just leave thinking, like, yes, this is... This was a great movie that I just saw. Well, it did that thing that so many horror movies don't do, where the main character like has no uh, power or no sort of autonomy. They're just being led through this horrible maze of mm-hmm. disaster and terror. And in the end, he's like, no, I am a strong individual that can take over all this stuff and just end this entire crazy conspiracy. And just piece by piece, he goes, well, you're done. And then just each person all the way through. And I was so happy to see that at the end of the horror movie, rather than, like, the invincible enemy that just, you know, the Freddy who chases you down, and there's nothing you can do to stop him. And he's like, no, these are people. They're crazy people, but I'm going to stop each of them and undo this. Uh-huh. It felt good. You know, Aaron hasn't been in the studio for a while, but that was that was pretty spot on. You're good at this, man. Oh, thanks. Welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Allie, what else you got? Um, okay, I want to make sure she gets through her notes because she prepared. You know? Yeah, um, most of it's yeah. garbage. No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this is something that I thought about for maybe 10 seconds. Um, but have you all seen Being John Malkovich? Absolutely. That is. Continue. Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> Talk to Kyle. I mean, there's some similar themes going on. Aaron, have you seen it? I haven't, so we can just cut the table in half here. I know right. of it. I know the premise. We'll okay. have a casual conversation over here. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So, Kyle. Um, Quiet, please. Yeah. yeah, gentlemen. No problem. I mean, all I've done so far <laughs> is point out the similarities of you can become someone else. Mm-hmm. So, like, actually just a bunch of old people paying a lot of money to become someone younger. Yeah. And, um, and that's about as far as I got. Also, both of them have Catherine Keener. So. Oh, yeah. Who? <laughs> <All right>. Mom. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Missy. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was something so funny because it was almost a a universal concept that kind of hooks you into um, relating it to your own experience. So just in the day and age we live in, everything is about you know keeping it all together. Now you buy all your your stuff so that you can you know be youthful and exuberant forever keep your energy up and look good and everything and this is just like you know is this the the direction society is heading in like inherently that's where our attention is drawn maybe not to this scale we're ever going to get to ever but it forces you into a relatable scenario where then you have to analyze the actions of the characters utilizing something that is relatable a theme that you find in being John Malkovich in other movies as well. So see, that's I had a totally different take on to that because I felt like they, it. they were setting up that mm-hmm. whole family as being this super bizarre other. Like you had the scene where he walks upstairs and the whole party just stops and stares. At him <laughs> I silently. forgot about that. Uh-huh. Or the auction scene where they're all standing there and again silently just like 
auctioning him off, it makes it seem like this is such a crazy group of people. This entire micro society they built is just clearly insane. So that's that kind of goes along with the point that James brought up to me before when he was trying to find a fault with the movie, and I can't remember the exact scenario you were giving about you were looking for a fault and you thought you found one and you were like why oh i remember why would the grandparents be there why would they be there i was trying you know? to, i was trying to say that one i'll i'll, I'm I'll sorry. go crazy but i'll address it really quickly yeah. but why would they be there and it kind of for me when i was analyzing it fell into the category of these people are so arrogant yeah. in their own little world that that doesn't matter to them. They don't care how they look because they know that they're not being judged by anybody to them that matters or that has any influence over them. So for them to just, you know, kind of stare and like address and like, you know, reflect and then, you know, move on. They were their own little weird, arrogant circle and nothing bad could ever happen to them. And it hadn't, so. I mean, especially to back that point up, the last thing that grandma says before she gets impaled on a car is, you ruined my house. Not you killed my family, or you destroyed our way of life. You ruined my house, hmm. and that's why I'm angry at you. Interesting. Well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on one point, and that is when they all quiet up and stare up the staircase because Chris just you know stormed back into the house and he. Boo, boo, boo. Um, first of all, no, like Chris, nobody that's not part of the plot sees him do that, so it's not weird to anybody except the moviegoer, right? But you mm-hmm. don't count because there's a fourth wall. Right. Number two. They're looking to make sure that their investment isn't going to run away at that point. It's not even bizarre behavior. It's mm-hmm. just, it's to them. It's there's our prize. There's our racehorse. There's our prize pig. There's our mm-hmm. our pure breed. Like at any minute, if he realizes what we're up to, even though we're being really fucking bizarre and we're not protecting our secret very well, I'll talk about that later. Um, they still need to make sure that he's within eyesight at all times. Like he could jump out the window and run. And so <clears throat> when they see him acting suspicious and climbing up the stairs in a huff. Of course, it's like, oh, they, they just have to, like, all right, we need to, like, wrap this up, essentially. So, it's not as bizarre as some of the other shit they're doing. But, yeah, to you, it's meant to look really bizarre because you're privy to something that no, none of the, that Chris is not, right? Anyway. Indeed. There you go. I, I could be good like, at this, too. I feel like there needs to, oh, <laughs> need to be another scene when I did that, though, because he walked out with the girlfriend to go to the lake. They should have all just been staring. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to do that too much, though. You can't milk that, that effect. Maybe yeah, they it's were. It's true. And yeah, we never know. Well, that's when they yeah. were doing the auction, at that point when they walk away. How great was the auction? Oh, because that mm-hmm. was part of the plan to take him away. Yeah. Something. There's one little weakness with the auction, if I may, because I don't like... You may. I'm not going to... Co- we'll get into plot holes later, because I can't wait to unleash those, right? But um, I call this audience hand-holding, right? I don't like it when a movie and a director takes your little hand, your stupid little hand, because you're a stupid idiot who can't figure out what's going on, and they handhold you through a scene. All right, if you have that auction going on, right, and you're all these sick, disgusting fucking old folks that are trying to do what they're doing in the movie, you don't need a big, like, 35-inch high portrait of the victim. Like, you know, you, do you remember that? <laughs> yeah. A huge photograph of him, like, uh-huh. this, like this big. I'm gesturing, right? This big. Um, you don't need that, but that's, that's to... Okay, stupid audience, if you don't get what's happening in this scene, they, they want him. You see the big photograph? 
of the only guy that's at this party not in on it, they want him. You don't need that, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to make myself sound really dumb right now. I did not know it was happening at that point. Oh! I, I was so distracted by everything else that was happening. I was so engulfed in the movie. I was like, this isn't bingo. What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm your stupid audience. It punctuated oh, it. I'm sorry, Allie. It <laughs> that's punctuated it. Kyle, that's, that's like that post-spoiler that we talked about. Right. We haven't released that yet. The post-spoiler spoiler. Yeah, where you have to explain <laughs> something. So I'm like, oh. Oh, yes. It was an auction. But here's the deal. (laughs) I think that it was, again, a good way to do exactly what we just saw. People were getting it. Some people. (laughs) It... (laughs) Your recliner was too comfortable. I don't know. Some people were getting it, and that's totally fine, because they started without showing that at all. And then they finally get to that point, and they reveal it, and then anybody else who's catching up at that point can catch up. But... It's not out of character for them to have that up there. With the pomp and circumstance of their, like, extravagant weekend garden party that they were having and everything, these are people that are inherently over the top. The way that their house was set up, the way that they dress, everything that they talked about. So, again, to me, it harkened back to the old plantation where, like, you know the grandeur of everything, the, the majesty of the dress and the style. So... I just looped it into that. All right, all right, all right. A forgivable audience handhold. Okay. Yes. You could also make your same argument that they wanted to see their prize they were paying for during the auction there, and so they needed to have that visual cue to make sure they paid as yeah, much but, as they but could. Yeah, but the understanding is they're only auctioning, they're only bidding on one thing, and they've all met them. They've well, maybe when they got the to, like, $300,000, somebody was like, I don't know. You well, get the portrait, the nose too. again? I want to see the nose. Yeah. No, okay, I like the nose. Yeah, $400,000. I really <laughs> want to see the alternate version of this movie where he finds that poster and just goes, what? <laughs> they have to spread it out of me. Uh, oh, speaking of alternate versions, mm. I'm going to drop something here. This is going to be my last thing. Okay. Um, the original ending. Has anybody read about this? No. no. I did, I did a, oh, nope. good. I did a little bit of research. Hey, we're a well-researched podcast. All right. And according <laughs> to the internets and uh, according to an article with the director, the original ending to this movie was that Chris was going to get arrested by the police when they found out that he had killed the family and like was like exactly yeah, when we thought he was exactly going to get arrested. Thought. But then yeah. the director, Mr. Peel, decided, you know, with current events the way they are and what's happening in the world, triumphant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we do we think it. about that? What do we think what do you think about that trivia? Aaron. It would have been such a sour note to end on. Oh yeah. What a f- I you know, there was that thought of like, oh no. <laughs> As soon as that car pulls up, oh, and because no. they set that up too, right? Like oh, yeah. They had him. They got pulled over earlier, and this is the scene that I missed that I put together from the trailer. Uh-huh. Uh, they got pulled over by the cop after they hit the deer. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were like setting up this cop, who's you know he's kind of an asshole and he's a racist, and he's you missed there a good town. scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, scene. I I assume it's a good scene from what I've seen. Of uh-huh. it. But uh, so they set that up, and you're like, oh no, here it goes. Like all this stuff is happening, now it gets ruined. And then it's the greatest comic relief character to ever exist. Nice. Who did? Were you sold that he was going to get arrested, or did you think he was going to go free? Uh, I feel like it all happened so fast that I don't know what I was thinking. I was like, oh yeah, he's of course like his first instinct is to put his hands up, which is 
really sad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, he's got like a half dead girlfriend laying on the ground, so <laughs> probably not a bad ex girlfriend. Yeah, ex, definitely uh, ex girlfriend. It wasn't a verbal breakup. I mean, <laughs> there was no, uh, you know, closure involved in that, or maybe there was. I don't know. But then you see the uh, his friend. What did he, what did he? He was the Rod. But what? He was the TSA. TSA. Yeah, I thought that was like an interesting department for him to work for. I don't know. That one thing like didn't quite um, go with the rest of everything for me. It's like, why are they like... Because the, the Rod's last line is something about like, don't mess with the TSA or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just supposed to be purely comedic. I thought it was a little weird. Interesting. I read a couple of things that were talking about the TSA and in in referencing the general demographic that you see with the TSA and how they were, um, I didn't read enough of this article to put put this into good words here right now. But that was just, that was yet another example of where they were trying to show you something that would inherently have you stereotype it or go down a pathway with it that then they were gonna flip around. So that was, I guess, the point involved in that. You want to know the sad truth? I knew it was gonna be Rod because. You sense that the movie was coming to an end and his character had no closure yet. So as soon as I saw the headlights, I was like, that's rock. Because you, he had been on the case. I was and in the flurry. I had no mm-hmm. idea. No, I, I, I knew. <laughs> and it's, it's because I spent way too much in the movie. Kyle and I talked about this. We'll talk about it more. I spent way too much in the movie predicting. And I turned out to be like, ding, ding, predicting correct almost Do every Do you watch movies or do you just have like a no, this, this like movie. No, this movie was the exception. I'll tell you, I'll tell you later. Um... So yeah, I knew it was him. Is the the last scene before that with Rod, with the the friend character, was him like being clowned or sitting in his house like with the dog, and not really getting anything done, just sort of like still spinning his wheels on the investigation. I was like, well, the only way out of this truly for Chris, the main character, is for Rod to come. You huh? were on top. I was yeah. I was really like, Ooh. I wasn't there. It was interesting, Kira. I'm honest with about movies. I was all over this one. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I can be told now. Kind of. She was talking to me afterwards about some of the stuff while we were going home, and uh, that scene in particular towards the end, especially for I mean, for the whole idea of the movie to go forward and have any sort of relevance without just getting like shut down and being like, none of this mattered because white America rules and (laughs) step on the little guy at the end, you know, as he's like trying to get away. One of the other interesting things was we were brainstorming and trying to think of any movies where there's a lot of violence involving (laughs) African Americans that is triumphant in some manner. And the one that came to my mind immediately that I could focus on was the movie Glory, which is about Civil War and uh, um, black battalion in the Civil War, but there was such a of 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 aggressive violence to how he was like killing everybody at the end, and they were all horrible people, and he was trying to escape with his life and everything, and I loved the the juxtaposition of that, and then to come away with it at the end and not just be like we're gonna pigeonhole this into you know falling into the trap of the stereotype and then they took it a step further and they just like got the fuck out of there and he was like dude I told you so and they just like fucking booked it it's like brilliant I felt even after all that that very end scene too like it showed him with the triumph but as he's there like with his hands around Rose or whatever Uh her real name was because maybe it wasn't Rose who knows he was like choking her out and they just kind of made a decision like you know 
this is done. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is gone. It's not worth it. And he stopped. And I was like, it showed that it was that triumphant thing, but he wasn't brutal about it. It was right. like he needed to do this to stop them. And mm -hmm. once they were stopped, he had no desire to do right. anymore. There, there was no maliciousness past survival and adrenaline. And then when, yeah, when there was clarity. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have to kill her at the end. And he didn't. So mm -hmm. he didn't. Ergo, he did not. Ergo, he did Therefore, not. he did not. Closing thoughts <laughs> and a grade. We're here. It's time. Allie? Overall. Give it a grade. What would you say? Oh. And grade it. Oh, man. Um, I'm going to give it a solid A. I'm, I'm not good at All this, right. but yeah, I have nothing nice. to knock it down with. Excellent. Excellent. Any closing thoughts? Uh, so many things to say. Um, well, <laughs> hashtag would recommend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I got James to see it. Not that I can take any credit because you would see it anyways and it's a good movie, but that's my closing thought. No, you can take the credit. I'm going to give it an A too. Two A's. All right. All right. Aaron? I don't, I don't give movies grades. That's right. Well, time. give it your little wacky I, thing. I say you should get out of your seat <laughs> and go purchase a ticket at the movie theater and go see this film with your eyes. Sidebar, <laughs> James was incredibly bummed when he didn't get to buy the ticket from, quote, the nerd in the glass box at the movie theater. <laughs> Another job bites the dust, everybody. <laughs> Do they have a robot dispenser now? Is that how that works? Oh, we bought, on, we bought them on the internet. Yeah. We even got to book our seats. Internet dispenser. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Reserved your fucking seats? What is this world coming to? Did you get, like, a martini at your seat? No. You know, one of those? I don't drink Anyway. <laughs> well, you, anyway, yeah, the point Kyle's trying to make is use human labor, goddammit. <laughs> like, we need jobs. Kyle, give it a grade. I loved it. Don't automate anything. Good. I'll give it an A as well, just because the A-plus in my mind is still captured. I don't even know if I'm intelligent enough to give this movie an A-plus, honestly, because I haven't... I, I have not faced the challenges that most people have faced and I just haven't. I mean, it's clear that I, it's true. And there's a lot to be said about this movie. Lots of people are talking about it. I think that it's it was really open and honest all throughout, especially through Chris's dialogue. Chris was the vessel for, you know, rationality and sanity and was just saying all the right things and saying exactly how, like, he would like people to think about them and talk about them and everybody was always like oh no you you know you don't even understand like even rose multiple times telling him he didn't even you know understand how he wanted to be treated in situations um so i'll give a solid a i loved every second of it i hope that we keep talking about it and analyzing it and getting more people to see it Yay. thanks Allie. thanks Allie. <laughs> you know if we can have a final final note a um, final final note I when I went to see it, I liked it. I thought it was good, not great. After I walked out of the theater, I think this conversation and a combination of maybe seeing the rest of the movie that I missed hmm. has upgraded my opinion to it's very good. That's good. Uh, and just the sense that you know it's a horror movie that is above horror. It does more than all these lazy horror movies we're seeing now, and it does it so well. Boy, and if this turns out to be anything like Arrival, you might getting be getting a lot of hate mail, Aaron. Because <laughs> it's still rolling in for us. Did I get hate we mail? Didn't, no, we no. didn't like it enough, so everybody oh. shit all over That's us. That's true. So. You guys are hacks. So if you didn't if you didn't like this enough, I don't know what's gonna happen. This yeah. is a movie that gets better the more you discuss it, as far as I'm concerned. Did yes. you see it? Yeah, I did. Did you like it? Uh, am I gonna get hate mail? No, no I I actually loved it. I yeah. did not like it. Uh, 
as much as I would have wanted to in the first half of the movie. What? Did that make any sense? I don't know. I really Hate like, mail. Oh, right. <laughs> That's a mouth. Get out. Uh, <laughs> with that, we're out of time. Thank you, Allie and Aaron, so much for being here, chatting up the movie with us. Special thanks, Allie, for getting us in the theater oh, and seeing it. Thanks for listening to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Lad on the set with Kyle and James. And today, Aaron and Allie, thank you all for listening. You can find us on YouTube, iTunes, anywhere you can get podcasts. We're there. Send us some mail. What'd you think? Let us know how much we suck. Loud on the set <laughs> at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts. If you saw Get Out, what you thought of it, we'd love to hear your opinions. If you haven't seen it, Go see it. See it again and enjoy. Get out. <laughs> see you later. You always Bye. mess up my ending, man. And you too. <laughs> <laughs>